Welcome back to the podcast, folks. This is Michael. I am so glad and so honored that you have returned to Empathy And. This is a new type of episode that I'm really excited to share with you. It has always been my intention that after I really kind of started in the first uh, half dozen or so episodes to really lay down a foundation of how I felt empathy affects our day-to-day life and how we are hardwired for it. It has always been my intention that after I did that, I was going to slowly introduce conversations with other people. Because what is a podcast about empathy if I'm not actually talking to people, right? (laughs) So I am super glad and honored that my dear friend, Aurelia Devi-Lepratt, decided to sit down with me and talk about her perspective on empathy and how it affects her role and her life as a pastor and a preacher. We share a similar background in the sense that we both went to George Truett Seminary at Baylor University, and we were both on staff at a small church plant in Round Rock where she then became the lead pastor. And she is, I can call a handful of people really a very small handful, two or three, um, my pastors, people that I feel comfortable going to with any question, any doubt, any concern. And she is one of those few people. She is a tender heart and a fierce preacher. And I am so uh, honored that she decided to sit down with me to talk about empathy. Before we get into the conversation, let me tell you a little bit about her. Aurelia is the lead pastor at Peace of Christ Church in Round Rock, Texas, where she was a founding member as well. Um, She is, of course, as I mentioned, a graduate of George W. Truett Theological Seminary and is also a licensed master of social work. Um, She was the recipient of the Robert Jackson Robinson Outstanding Student Preacher Award, as well as a fellow of the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. She sits on the board for the Nevertheless She Preached Conference and the Board of Advocates for the Diana R. Garland School of Social Work at Baylor University. Aurelia and her husband Lyle have been married for 12 years, and together they have an adorable three-year-old daughter named Cosette. You can learn more about Aurelia and her church at peacewilco.com, and I will be adding a link to one of her uh, recent sermons uh, in the show notes, so make sure you keep an eye out for that, because we talk a little bit about it in our conversation. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with the Reverend Aurelia Davila-Pratt. Empathy is a superpower, and you have it. It's the energy of human connection. It's a biological, neurological, psychological, sociological, and spiritual imperative. One that we're hardwired for. It's the key to deep and thriving relationships. Welcome to the conversation. This is Empathy And. I'm here with my friend, Aurelia. She has been my pastor. She has been a colleague at times. And um, 
I am lucky to have Aurelia, <clears throat> excuse me, to sit down for a conversation just about how empathy informs what you do as a preacher and a, as a pastor, but also just about kind of how you perceive and how you think about empathy, just even in your day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. So um, I pre-wired Aurelia with some questions and I'm first, I kind of want to get just your basic sense of what you think um, empathy is not necessarily a dictionary definition. If you don't want to go that route, what does empathy mean to you? Okay. So hello, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but you know, it's so funny because I, when you sent me that first question, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to cancel this meeting. <laughs> I need to like spend a year no, like discerning no. what empathy is and come up with a thoughtful response. And so this response is my gut response, awesome. which I'm likely to say, you know what, that's probably okay. Yeah. So the what I what I kind of came up with when you asked me how I would define empathy is first, um, because you, you had kind of broken it up into a general sense and then like the context of church and ministry. Right. But for me, it's kind of all one. Yeah. So the first thing I think of is that I think that empathy is a part of the spirit of God in us. Mm-hmm. I think that the part that this, that we all have, you know, we all have the Imago Dei, the image of God created in the image of God. God dwells in us. Yeah. And part of that, gift of spirit is the ability to practice what I call radical empathy. So I believe that the spiritual person is called to be a practitioner of empathy, which means that we practice this radical empathy all the time. It's an actual practice. Um, And so I did look up the definition online (laughs) (laughs) and empathy is defined as the ability to understand and share the feelings of another person. Mm -hmm. Radical empathy to me takes that a step further and is, is active. So it's doling out abundance Mm -hmm. to the people around us. Um, When we are mindful of others and merciful toward others, Mm -hmm. we practice radical empathy. When our sharing of another's, feelings Mm -hmm. leads to reconciliation when it leads to healing or peace or love then we're practicing radical empathy Um, and so I can identify with someone else's pain I'm a very feeling type person that's really easy for me to do I can feel that lump in my throat or that brick in my in my stomach but that doesn't mean I necessarily do something about it Right. right so Radical empathy acts even if the act needed is just sitting in someone's grief with them. Yes. Even if the act is sitting. You, see, you know what I mean? Yeah. And knowing them knowing that you are in it yeah. with them yeah. is radical empathy. And so um, that's how I define empathy totally. Right. As a person who I, I consider myself a person of God. I think we all are. I just consider myself, that's my first identity for myself. And so I can't really, I can't separate it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the general definition and the definition that I see is a pastor and a person of God. Well, that's interesting because there's a couple things that you said that kind of tap into what 
I've been talking about on the podcast for a while now. And one is that I speak about it like it's energy, in which I do think it is. I also talk about it being like a shared agreement between people. Um, I really shy away from kind of the idea that we do empathy to somebody else. Um, It's much more of really, at some point, it's just about how you live your life. So like the Imago Dei and the fact that kind of spirit uh, is entwined into this kind of working definition of empathy really speaks to me because I, I do think it's that kind of energetic type of back and forth um, and kind of, I kind of stay away from those very practical definitions of yeah. empathy, you know, mm-hmm. when you're yes. talking about conversations, mm-hmm. but then not to throw a wrench in your I'm ready. plans. I'm ready. <laughs> I mean, in your background and in, in, uh, you have a degree in social work. Mm-hmm. So there, what would you say? Um, the, well, let me just say this. The other day I posted something online and I said, compassion without empathy is pity. Mm. Let me chew on that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, just in this. Because it's not active, right? Right. And it's, and there's no participation necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's this one, it's a one way street. Mm. And, um, I mean, I feel pretty good about kind of getting into these conversations and talking about what empathy can be and what it could be and even perhaps what it should be and not necessarily what people perceive it to be. Because a lot of times when we get into those types of discussions, you quickly get into a conversation about who deserves empathy and who Mm -hmm. doesn't. And that's problematic, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That being said, let me ask you a question, then I'm going to be quiet for a second again. Is there a vision of empathy from your lived life oh. that you think informs how you perceive of it now? Yeah. Um, well, the thing that comes to my mind is... Jan. Jan is kind of the sit with was. She's passed away 10 years ago this, this year. But um, she was sort of the surrogate mother figure in my life. Growing mm. up, I was raised by my dad from about the age of 10 and up. And when I was about 12, maybe, I met Jan, who was a friend of the family that um, we met through, basically through a, a bad circumstance of her own daughter passing she has other kids but one of her daughters had mm-hmm. passed who was close with my sister anyway jan really took me under her wing and from the age of 13 until what 10 years ago how 33 yeah. so for 10 years she was the main mother figure in my life so much so that i named my daughter after her my daughter's name is cosette jan <laughs> and i think about jan I mean, she's, there's a picture of her right there. <laughs> We're in my office. You can see her. But um, she, 
she just did all these things for me. She took me under her wing. She came. She lived in Mississippi. I lived in Louisiana. She would drive in for football games, softball games, cheerleading things. And when I was in high school, every year I had my birthday at her house, and she would invite, let me invite all my friends. And she just loved me. Mm-hmm. And I think about this all the time. She didn't have to do that. She could have just had compassion, like you said, kind of, she could have had pity for me, you know, a young girl without a mother figure. That could have been enough, but instead living hours away, she invested into my life Mm -hmm. and so much so that her name lives on in my family. And I, I don't go a day without thinking about her. She died of cancer 10 years ago, but, um, Every time I think about her, I and more and more and more as I'm older, I think to myself, like, I know that one day the energy that I that I received from her empathy, her mm-hmm. act of empathy, I know that one day this this powerful ball of energy I'm going to give to someone else. And I know that I have yeah. already. I know I have already yeah. in so many ways. But, but there's something in me that just knows that because of this radical, wild, like uninhibited amount of love and empathy that she gave to me, that it's just living in me. Yeah. And one day... I'm going to hopefully do the same thing and hopefully in small ways already am. Yeah. But that was what that, came to my mind. <laughs> that's beautiful because, I mean, in very similar ways, I think about my own mom. And, um, and I mean, I think you just hit on it. Like something in that exchange, in that kind of agreement of empathy, um, something is kind of kind of digs into our heart and it stays there and the impression is one that we have to kind of continue on and for lack of a better word pay it forward I mm-hmm. guess um, but that's beautiful it's Thank contagious it, and it, it, yeah it is and and you know that's a great that's a great way to think about it because it is also, um, something that I say a lot, it is an instinctual response in many ways, but it's also learned. So there's both of these things mm-hmm. that go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you just notice how it kind of steamrolls or how it snowballs into bigger and better when people get together and actually practice it, like right. you said earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more that it's what did you say? It's a practice and it's an instinct. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm naturally a very empathetic person, but that doesn't mean anything. We're like, that doesn't mean I do more with it. It just means I have lots of feelings. Yeah. And some people may not have that same starting point, but we are all, for me, as a pra- the language I use, we're all created in the image of God. We all have the spirit of God living in us. So the w- language I use is that we all are made with that. Yeah. So we all have it. It's just, it's a matter of practice. Yeah. How we use yeah. it. Yeah. Recently, and um, I've had conversations, Kyle knows this about it. We, we have a, uh, a uh, um, similar friend. Similar, that's not the right word. <laughs> mutual. We have a mutual, thank you. We have a mutual friend. I'm going to keep that in there just to prove that I'm, not perfect far from that but in our mutual friend kyle i uh, told him this a long time ago he's known that this podcast was coming for a few years now Mm -hmm. and we've been talking about it and i kind of 
um, identified myself as an empath to him. Somebody mm-hmm. who, whether it's now, I have I have very scientific kind of feelings about why. I mean, it could be nervous system. It could just be the way that I'm built. But there are other people. I know that there are other people very similar to me in that respect. Um, but the the point is, is that the instinctual part of being empathic might just be a little bit heightened, but there's still that other side of it that says that you still have to learn how to do the something different, the empathy exchange yeah. with somebody. Mm-hmm. And something that I said the other day, you could be empathic and be really crappy at empathy. Yeah. You wow. know what I mean? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, gosh. Because that's. <laughs> The questions that I get, um, yeah. Facebook and other social media and even in person, are people that have been burned by others that really show that they're highly empathetic, meaning that they can, um, somebody that can kind of read into what somebody else is thinking and feeling and then manipulate it. Mm. Yeah. And so... I feel like I'm constantly kind of peeling back and trying to do that work of saying, yes, you can, you can be empathetic to a certain degree, but if you're still not practicing empathy with what Brene Brown would consider like wholehearted or not being vulnerable with people who haven't earned your vulnerability, Um, it's like using your power for evil. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I, I my uh, one of my stepdaughters recently watched the Ted Bundy movie on Netflix. Mm. Now, I don't know if you I'm partake. Not what, I've, <laughs> I can get into it. I have not watched it and I will not watch yeah. it. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> and one of the one of the things that have been that have been kind of critical about it in general is hey, it, it paints him in such a you know glorifies. kind of glorifies yeah. him yeah. and i have not watched it yet so yeah. i need to be fair about that but the thing that i that i kind of point out is i mean that was horrific and he was a monster partially because he was so charming mm-hmm. and he knew how to talk to people and he in some ways could use maybe even some of those kind of empathetic skills Mm -hmm. in order to get people to put their guard down so uh, one of the things that i that i feel like i'm constantly doing is is saying yes i completely get there's kind of a shadow side a dark side of what comes with like kind of these instincts and these feelings so there's that extra step of being wholehearted being kind and, and and understanding that how we employ our empathy um, is just as important as the information that you glean from, you know, mm-hmm. the empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that got dark. Sorry. <laughs> um, one of your, and, and, and I'm going to gush on Aurelia for a second here. Um, she is absolutely one of my favorite preachers. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I was a bivocational minister for almost 20 years and, of course, grew up in the church, have learned have uh, learned from and heard from a lot of different preachers in my lifetime. 
and she is definitely one of my favorites just because there is something poetic about what you do and there's some something so very intentional about how you um, see the sermon kind of as a as a craft mm-hmm. um, so part of my question one that I gave you kind of a little bit ahead of time is what I want to do with this series of interviews is talking to people about how they see empathy as it relates to their vocation. So we've talked a little bit about the pastoral side, but as a preacher, Mm -hmm. what are you doing in, in regards to either perspective taking or any kind of empathetic kind of uh, leanings that you might have in crafting a sermon? Um, How do you, how do you do that? Or what? Do well, you first do? of all, thank you. <laughs> and you know what? I do see it as a craft. Absolutely. I don't think I say that even to myself enough. But thank you for giving me permission to look at it that way. Absolutely. Um, there's lots of different ways that I can look at this. First, I just want to say to to preach is a is a really vulnerable thing to do, which I mm-hmm. think you can't have empathy without vulnerability. Yeah. Um. So. You're putting yourself out there. I mean, not just preaching, but just speaking in front of people or anything. But, you know, you're going deep, 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 deep down into your soul. Um, also making assumptions about what other people might be going through. Yeah. Um, and really getting vulnerable in this. We're sitting in my office right now. This is where the magic happens. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time I actually sit outside. But... Um, you're getting really, really, really vulnerable, and it's this really intimate process. In fact, I have a poem up here hanging on my wall that I look at almost by my friend Kendall Rothis, also a really amazing preacher, um, about the sermon writing process being kind of compared to a birth, Mm -hmm. kind of giving birth. You don't get to really decide when it comes or how it comes each week go through this process and sometimes it's painful and it comes when it comes <laughs> and you receive it yeah and so it's a really vulnerable intimate process and then you take it to the people and I've heard someone compare it to like letting your soul hang out in front of everyone and after we preach my sister-in-law Fran is also a pastor and on staff and she preaches and her husband Jordan my brother-in-law he's he calls it a a preacher hangover Mm -hmm. (laughs) after you you preach you feel this exhaustion and this vulnerability that is so fresh and it's like your soul is hanging out and people are coming up to you asking about what's happening on Tuesday at coffee or what, you know what I mean? And you're like, and it's like this hangover that's just so intense. And so you definitely, I don't know how that relates, but I think how it relates is that I have had to become practiced in extending empathy to myself. Yes. Extending empathy to trust my own self when I've been told in so many ways by society that my voice isn't trustworthy. Right. Um, and also just to know that if it's not relevant to me and if it's not, if I don't feel energy around it, then it's not honest. Yeah. And so I have to be in tune with myself. But then the other part of that is that 
I am thinking about every beautiful face in the congregation every time I write. Um, but to be honest, I hone in on people. Yeah. I can't, like, the thing that I've really had to let go of is this desire to try to speak to everyone. Right. It's not helpful. It lessens the sermon. So I lean into what I feel that the Spirit is telling me. And that normally reveals to me one or two or three faces in my congregation or sometimes elsewhere in my life. And I write to those people. They don't know I'm writing to them, but I write to them. And I think that is a practice of empathy now that I think about it. Absolutely. Um, And and I think that it's, it's a more productive empathy than if I were to try to write to every single person, which right. sounds, I know it sounds crazy, but I think a lot of people do that. Try and try and give, put a little bit of something in there for everyone. Right. And I've gotten to the point and I haven't, I haven't said this, but this is what I'm going to start saying. <laughs> it's like, you know what? This might not apply to you. This is one 10, 15, 20 minute thing. And this might not apply to you. Take a nap. If you if you just feel if you just feel like it doesn't apply to you, fine. Take a nap. I just I can't speak to everyone every week. Yeah. And be true to the to the empathy process. Yeah. You know, I completely agree with what you're saying. Partially because it kind of ties into another thing that I think about often is that while in many ways I do think that this endeavor to be empathetic towards people is very universal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have in my mind when I get up in the morning that I want to you know, be kind to people. I want to do my best to see things from their perspective. Um, I don't want to make judgments on that. I mean, I think that that all ties into this idea that really empathy is this energy that kind of drives me and uh, mm-hmm. how I do my interpersonal relationships really. At the same time, there are moments in the day when you have to hone in on people. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. and you have to practice that with a single focus, um, and that is okay. But the other thing that you said that I think that is so incredibly important to remember um, that hangover is. Absolutely. Brene even talks about it. I think she talks about it in her special even. Yeah, I saw it. As soon as I was saying it, I was like, this sounds like what she was saying. Yeah. And it was a vulnerability hangover. That's it, absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's what preaching does. <laughs> absolutely. And and it's that's exactly what it is. It's this moment where you can be you can be kind of operating at a certain level, right? Of giving of yourself in the day. And then there are those key moments, those two or three moments when Spirit speaks through empathy and says, go here, do this, mm-hmm. say that word. Yeah. And um, I've refused that so mm-hmm. many times that it's it's this muscle memory of trying to get back to listening to it and honoring it. Um, because I do think that it's a, it is a part of spirit yeah. that's speaking to yeah. us. I love that. Yeah. I can relate to that. And the, the empathy or the vulnerability hangover, I guess, the preaching hangover, just reminds us to practice the very same thing with ourselves, like you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what, whether that's, you know, alone time, 
whether that is a big old margarita, mm-hmm. <laughs> regardless of... Or both. Or both. <laughs> <laughs> One and the same. I mean, it, practicing you know, that kindness to yourself is so incredibly mm-hmm. important. And the other thing that I'm coming to learn is that when we when we do practice empathy in a very general sense and we feel like we're being kind of washed over with everybody else's emotions, a lot of people kind of call that out and try to deflect and not mine. And while that might be a very good practice to do, part of the thing that I that I think is so important is that when you reflect that back on yourself and you start knowing yourself so mm-hmm. much better, mm-hmm. what your emotions feel like, mm-hmm. what your needs are, it becomes so much easier to then recognize what's yours and what's theirs. Right. Yeah. Michelle so I went to see Michelle Obama oh, when cool. speak when she came to Austin That's awesome. back in February. I yeah. Think. And she said something. It was actually about parenting. And side note, if Michelle Obama, if you're listening. <laughs> Are you one of the note, 40, Michelle? Oh my God, awesome. Please write a parenting book. She I, she needs to write a parenting book. She yeah. has said some of the, she gave me hope. <laughs> yeah. But she said something about parenting, but I think it applies to this as well. Yeah. And it was just to, you have to put your own oxygen mask on first. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. And we have to we have to care for ourselves and, yeah. and, and get to know ourselves and love ourselves or we're not going to get anything right, right. If we, if our foundation is off. And remember, I keep saying this, this is my big thing. God dwells in you. Right. That's where God is. I mean, God's in nature and God's, God's everywhere, but God is in you mm-hmm. and you have to care for that. Um, yeah. My, my sermon this week, I don't yes. know when, I don't know when you're, posting this but my sermon this week is it might go at the same time yeah we'll see <laughs> but yeah it's um we're doing a christianese series about just all the stupid things christians say <laughs> and it sounds like funny and lighthearted, but it's actually it, we're actually highlighting some stuff that is really harmful yeah. these words not to be taken lightly and trying to find some liberation from them and so what i'm talking about this week is the heart is deceitful above oh. all things and um Damn it, I hate that. I do too. I hate that so much. I maybe some people need to be put in check, but I have spent my whole life like telling myself not to trust myself. Right. And I mean, I'm going to talk about it in the sermon, but what ulti- what that ultimately does when God dwells in you and you say I can't trust myself, you're splitting yep. your your own self and you're separating yourself from God and you're not helping anybody and yeah, I think it's just been a huge revelation to me over the course of the last few years that I have to listen to myself and I have permission yep. to. Yep. And the process of learning how to do that now is just has been crazy. It's yeah. been a really intentional process, I would say, for the last two years, maybe two or three years. I think since I became a mom, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> all imagine, of a sudden, all of a sudden, huh, I was that. like... I was like, Roar. yeah, you know, and I'm really glad that you brought the sermon up because, oh, and by the way, I will put the, um, the podcast feed that has the sermons, uh, oh, yeah, will thanks. be on this. So y'all can check out Aurelia's sermon as well. Um, one of my main kind of, um, 
one of the things that really caused me to start this podcast, this obsession a little bit with empathy in the first place, was the idea that we ignore our instinct and ignore our heart. Mm -hmm. And for many who grew up in the church, we were told not to trust it. Mm -hmm. And we were told that if it, if it came from us, remember, I mean, this happened all the time for me. You oh, know, yeah. Really discern whether or not it's coming from you well, or coming from God. Right. And then spiritual leaders, religious leaders, use it to manipulate and control. Yeah. So they tell you that's not what actually is happening. You're being too emotional or whatever. And then they tell you what you should do based on what? Their feelings. Their feelings. But they've, deci right. they've decided that's God. But right. there's... God lives in all of us. Like, yes. it's just impossible. It's not this dualistic. There's no way to think about it dualistically. It's a mystery. Yeah. And I think that a lot of harm has been caused by just trying to make feelings and, and things like feelings and, and spirit and God and all these things just a cut and dry kind of measurable topic. <laughs> right. I mean, well, it really speaks to me because it's just... It's been so, I think you used this word earlier, it's been so liberating through this process to start reading about how we're made, mm -hmm. you know, how we're built. I mean, the, the, the neurobiology of us as humans, the way that we are actually built to connect with each other. And then you read the scriptures and you hear about the body of Christ and how that is supposed to supposed to be everyone and then so at some point along the way we start taking chunks off the body mm -hmm. saying you're not supposed to trust it mm -hmm. yeah it, it is just the most convoluted ridiculous kind of sentiment and i th i think you're right i think it has damaged a lot of people yeah. and so part of me doing this is even just to give some agency back to people to say listen you're you're built this way. You're built to connect, and and it's okay. And there there are ways to follow spirit and yourself and your body and your connections to everybody within your kind of sphere of influence mm. that actually honors that right. and doesn't dishonor. Right. Yeah. I think we do a lot of reclaiming. Yeah. And th that confuses me sometimes, mm -hmm. I'll be honest, because I feel like I feel like it's great. I feel like we start to reclaim, but reclaiming at times, and this might sound a little weird, so who knows, I may cut this out later, but I feel like we're going back. Mm -hmm. Whenever we want to redo or reclaim, I still feel like that's going a little bit backwards. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, but I, I really... and. We've been talking about this a lot, and I also am writing a lot about it in this particular sermon, but I think it just goes back to our need to, to be dualistic in how we think mm -hmm. and to label everything that we're doing and to measure everything that we're doing and to put everything that we say in categories. Like, we need to know, are we going backwards or are we going forward? Right. And it's like, no, we're being. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> we're that's just fair. being, and we're listening. And we're, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like fair. this, we have to resist this measure of you and obviously I want to if I'm gonna move in any direction I want to move forward <laughs> <laughs> right but I, but I also don't want I don't want to 
to measure my soul. Yeah. <laughs> I just want it to be. Yeah. And no, that's... sometimes it's helpful to, to apply labels to things, but I think in matters of the soul, it's really hard to do that. And I think that, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say this as a pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be out of a job, but I just think that like organized religion has really sought to, to make spirituality a measurable experience yes um so yeah (laughs) amen sister well okay i don't think that there we've said all we've said all the things about empathy (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) we've said all the things you have been enlightened (laughs) thank you very much for letting me do this you will be my first interview on the podcast uh, first of many I just subscribed, and I was told, I'm so excited to catch up, but I was told that you have a really great podcast voice. I try. It might be a a little bit of the EQ that I do after. I'll I'll hit save here in a second. Can you make my voice sound good, (laughs) But I I appreciate you doing that, and for everybody that's listening, make make sure you check the show notes, and I will put uh, the website for the church. We'll take... Tell about the church. Oh real quick. my gosh, there's show notes. <laughs> we well, I need so, to catch up on them, but so yeah. So I am the pastor of a we call ourselves a small but mighty community in Round Rock, Texas, in the surrounding area, because we have we have a lot of people that drive to come to us. But we are all about radical love and total inclusion. We believe that this radical love and inclusion was best exemplified through the life of Jesus and we follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but we call ourselves a unicorn because we just, a unicorn church because we've just got a little bit of everything going on. Um, and we like to think we're unique. <laughs> um, but th- yeah, that's my church. And we have a podcast yes. that we've kind of recently started and we, t- we post our sermons there, but then we also do some kind of, um, we call it spiritual land yaps, So some extra goodness, um, but we are really beginners, and we did, I did not know there were show notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, I, and I'm always like, I'll link to it, but then I don't know how. <laughs> I, I did some for the first handful of episodes, and I need to go back and catch up. But yeah, and so in the show notes, I will put a link to the website for Peace of Christ Church yeah. in Round Rock, Texas. If y'all are in the area or around, come on down. These are good people. Yeah. And um, I am yeah. grateful to call Aurelia a friend. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Thanks for listening, y'all. I am so glad that you stuck around to listen to my conversation with Aurelia about empathy. Um, look for these types of conversations to pop up in the future. And if you are interested in having a conversation about empathy and how it affects your day-to-day life, let me know. Come to the empathyand.com website and you can drop me an email and I would love to set up some time to talk to you. These conversations are meant to be between just regular people talking about how the energy of connection just drives their day-to-day relationships. So you could be a construction worker, a policeman, a nurse, a pastor, a social worker. You could be anybody in any field or a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, whatever it is that you live your life for today, if you have some thoughts and want to have a conversation about empathy, I want to have that conversation with you. 
So reach out through the website or straight to my email at empathyand at gmail.com. I am so glad that you listened today and we will see you soon. Peace, y'all.